The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I am a boat rocker, I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above Rise all. up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Your faithfulness you shall stand On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph in the works of your are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And with that, good morning, America. Welcome Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty Radio Show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here on Tuesday morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so. SonsofLibertyRadio.com and also SonsofLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, that's right, you can see the faces made for radio. Head over to SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Right side of the page, there's two videos on the top. The right side of the page is the morning show that's streaming live, so all you have to do is hit play. And once you do, you'll see Rumble there in the bottom right-hand corner. Blow it up on your device that you're using. And uh, join us in the chat over there. And then if you're in any of the video platform chat uh, chats that we're on, uh, whether it is on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live, uh, BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there, DLive.TV at the Sons of Liberty. Twitch at Setting Rush Fires or on Roku at Cutting Edge TV, uh, you get... In the description there, our new Discord chat 
if everybody wants to go there and chat and do all that stuff, you can. You can do it over there. Uh, on the left side of the page is Bradley's show from yesterday. So if you missed that, that'll be up there until 3 o'clock today, at which time it goes live. And then be sure to sign up for our email newsletter. Again, we don't rent your email, sell it, or spam it. One, one email a day, all the articles we do, uh, me, Bradley, and the contributors we have at SonsLibertyMedia.com. You get those in the evening. And then if you would like to, if you support our message, not only on radio and internet, but out among the people as well. There's a donate button. You can help support us in that. We're dependent upon God moving on the hearts of his people and doing that so we can stay out there doing what we're doing. Uh, there's a donate button. You can make a one-time donation at the top of the page, sonsoflibertymedia.com. And also you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of liberty. And uh, you get some goodies in that, discounts in the store and all this kind of stuff. Okay. And then our store is available. This week we're highlighting our brand new Dangerous Freedom t-shirts. This has uh, Thomas Jefferson on it with, I prefer Dangerous Freedom over peaceful slavery you guys have been asking for long sleeve this is a request you guys have and so we've got that in long sleeve we've got it in short sleeve and uh, of course you've got the um, the reference first timothy of what is it 612 on there and the sons of liberty logo on the back these are normally they're anywhere from 20 dollars to 27 depending on your size and whether you want long sleeve or short sleeve this week only through saturday at midnight use the promo code liberty and you get 10% off of those, okay? Liberty's promo code, That's uh, the deal is through Saturday night at midnight. Now, real quickly before we bring our guest on, just highlighting a couple of things uh, in the news and uh, stories that we have out, and I'll hit these real quick at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Is Ukraine destroying evidence of U.S.-funded bioweapons program? I think that they are. Uh, remember, we pointed that out before. The U.S. Uh, government has already scrubbed many of the documents they had the day after we we had given the report that there were the bio labs there, and uh, some of those things had had already taken place. Now it looks like uh, that's actually taking place in Ukraine as well. Also at SonsLibertyMedia.com, why we should be asking how the narrative shifted from COVID to Ukraine literally overnight? That's to get your eyes off it because you were you were destroying the narrative, people. You were wising up to what they were doing, and they want your attention diverted. That's what they want. <laughs> All right. Uh, Disgraced North Carolina police chief found and arrested after faking his own death. He faked a suicide on on a lake somewhere uh, to avoid dozens of felony charges. Dozens means like almost 100. All right. This guy was as corrupt as corrupt could be. Also from Ron Paul, is Putin the new coronavirus? <laughs> I always like Dr. Paul's uh, writings and uh, always poignant and very clever in how he gives his presentation. From the Liberty Bells, James Martinez. Remember we had James on a little while back? Uh, he talks Mindspace Docs, uh, Australian document companion to that, and the result of mind control propaganda. And if you recall, when we had James on, he was explaining how he was a part of exposing a lot of that stuff with the MK Ultra and some of the mind control operations of our government. Illegal, I might add. Uh, then there's also 11 ways that Western powers are escalating the war in Ukraine. It, again, it's none of our business. It really is none of our business. We got enough tyranny and everything to deal with in our own backyard. We don't need to be going halfway around the world to deal with it. But again, that's to distract us. And then a couple of things I ran across this morning. Don't know this person, young YouTube singer Little Bo Weep, uh, dead at 22. I can guarantee you she probably had the shot. I can guarantee you that's probably what's that. All of these young people dying, this is unusual, folks. This is not normal. It really isn't. Um, and then also, the federal government paid hundreds of media companies. Now, we showed you the, the, the hospitals and the education centers and all this that they were paying off. They paid media companies including, including, listen, conservative media, okay? 
to advertise the COVID-19 vaccines while those same outlets provided positive coverage of the vaccines. So you people who continue to play the right-left thing, the Republican-Democrat thing, you need to understand they're in on it too. They're in on it. It's like we told you, WWE. It's like uh, the Harlem Globetrotters and, and the conservatives are the and the Republicans and the Constitutionists and the alleged Christians are the Washington generals. They're the controlled opposition. They talk. They got a big bark when it comes to doing something and bringing justice in the matter. Oh, all they can do is let's go, Brandon. That's what they do. And so we're, we're going to our guest this morning is not one of those kind of guys. OK, he, he's not a guy to say, OK, let's go, Brandon. No, he's a guy who wants to bring justice in the matter. He wants to see, uh, you know, the thing that's missing, the thing that God says is part of his character. He wants to do that. And so with me this morning, uh, live from Tennessee, uh, David Tullis is on with us. Uh, he is an investigative reporter with a two-hour weekday show at Nuga Radio 96.9 in Chattanooga. He's been on air for 10 years. Uh, he has 25 years as a copy editor at Chattanooga Times Free Press. He's a homeschool dad of four grown children. He sued Tennessee Governor Bill Lee in October 2020, alleging fraud and abrogation of the primary Tennessee communicable disease law, uh, in, in which it was only, what, 200 words, 201 words long, and the suit was demanding equity or a writ of Mandamus. And so I'm going to let him kind of tell a little bit about himself. We, we had a little problem with the Zoom connection as far as audio. So uh, he's calling in online. So if the audio is a little bad, don't worry about it. The information is what's important. I want to welcome to the Sons of Liberty, David Tullis. Good morning, man. Good morning, Tim. Thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate it. I hope to deliver to you uh, two main ideas that are very practical that will help you, if you're a Christian, or even if you're not, to be a belligerent claimant in person. How do you be a belligerent claimant in person, which is the, is the only type of person who can maintain his rights? That is what I think we're called to do as Christians, Tim. Oh, yeah. I'm Well, I'm learning that very, very well. Uh, I'm learning that very well. When somebody was, uh, I, I was kind of taken off guard here recently in a, in a court proceeding, uh, when I was pressing on my rights, and the judge just would have none of it. Just eh. so I'm going to have to deal with her in a different way. Uh, but you're exactly right. You have to be. You can't be nicey nice. You've got to stand your ground, and you got to keep pushing against things. So you've got a you've got a, a, a suit there in Tennessee, and you have an easy way, or I should say, a simple way that people can also do the same thing. And it was with regards to what they were trying to push on the people with the whole COVID nineteen eighty four stuff, right? Uh, well, exactly. The the governor Bill Lee, a conservative, a devout Christian, a Republican, uh, pushed upon us in March twenty twenty an emergency, and then on April the second, he shut down the whole economy in a safer at home order, which was essentially uh, whole, you know jail being jailed in your own house, and. And re- reviewing this this uh, disaster against us, this uh, shutting down of the entire economy, all, all of all of public life was shut down here as as elsewhere by this presumably Christian man. My uh, my work began to 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 find what is the how how to defeat this myself. And since I have a legal interest, uh, having studied uh, North and Rush Uni for years, I have a real interest in law biblical law and also man-made law, 
And man-made law in, in your state and mine has many biblical premises and many biblical things, particularly in the way the law grants you uh, your due process rights while at the same time requiring officials to do certain things. And what I what I discovered is this, that around the country, and I've seen uh, confirmations of this observation, around the country, lawyers have opted for a very complicated roundabout way of stopping COVID-19 impositions by by governors upon the people. These are all of them administratively applied uh, to the mass of people. And the remedy I want your your listener to consider uh, is, is this. There are two, two things that I think I hope we can accomplish today in, in the way of main ideas, which I'm putting into practice here in Tennessee in court. One is mandamus as a proper remedy. The other one equal to it in court is called petition for, uh, for a writ of habeas corpus. Those are ancient common law remedies, extremely powerful. They're extremely powerful by when used by the individual as against a, an oppressive, tyrannical uh, governor or fit local official. I sued the governor and the local health official. And the other, the, the second main point I hope we can get to, and I'll just mention this here, is the need to establish an administrative record for your personal protection and, and that of your family. And that is a record uh, that you, uh, you establish in writing by getting uh, affirmations from the other side that you are an agent of contagion. In other words, it is a, uh, it is a way of uh, defeating the presumption, the legal presumption that officials all use against you to corral you, to grind you down and to coerce you to staying home and to wearing chin diapers and, and, and other things. They, these are all presumptions and you defeat presumption uh, by demanding, essentially demanding the authority of the official to say anything to you. In, in our case of COVID-19, you are a healthy person you cannot be presumed to be sick, uh, a danger to others, or a harm, or a potential harm. You can't be, uh, but you can be only if there is presumption that stands against you. So you have to defeat that presumption, and you do that by establishing this record, okay, this administrative record. And that's very important personal defense tactic. That is a personal defense tactic that you use with your family members and yourself and other people. But the court action is, of course, beyond that. That's a separate. It's a separate remedy, Tim. And uh, let me just say what mandamus is and why it's so important. Mandamus is a writ to compel an official to do a ministerial act. Now, a ministerial act is one for which he has no wiggle room. Okay, it is an act that he has to commit and perform. It is a duty he is required by his law in your state to administer. So how, how do we get the official who's refused to do something to do something, okay? Uh, and mandamus does not control uh, an act which is an option. So let's say, uh, but a ministerial requisite required act by the official, whether it's the governor or your local sheriff or your local, uh, your local mayor, they're all subject to mandamus. In all the states, this remedy is available. And it's not for an act of discretion. So let's say, let's say an official uh, can choose between option A and option B and option C, let's say in a health crisis. Okay. You can't make him choose A or you can't make him choose B or you can't make him choose C, but you can compel him to make a choice. Okay. Mandamus applies up 
upon him, the writ compels him to choose A, B, or C. He can't not choose, okay? He has to do one, one of the three. So that's what mandamus is for. It's not upon the exercise of a discretionary act, but only on a obligatory duty, or as it's called, ministerial act. Now, ministerial, you're right, you're right. It, does, it does sound like it's something from the church. You know, the minute a faithful minister preaches God's word without adding or subtracting and has all the, the whole of the word of God all at the same time giving him the interpretation or the commentary he's making. You know, all scripture reinforces any one discussion of a passage or passages. So the whole, uh, the whole uh, identifies and clarifies a particular part. So all, all the parts work harmoniously, you know, systematically, right? The law is the same thing. So I've applied in law, uh, Tim, for, for relief of a mass irreparable harm, uh, the concept that a good biblical scholar uses in studying the Bible. The, the law interprets itself, the law internally coheres, and no law can be ignored. Now, in, in my case, the governor, as it came out in, 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 in court pleadings, uh, the governor says he is not under any duty to obey the health statute. It's the communicable health statute in the health law, which is a very fat book here. This is a, a copy of the, the, the book that, I, that I'm, I'm using. I don't know if you can see it, but it's a... Yeah, the green screen uh, stuff is messing with it. <laughs> I'm sorry? The green screen stuff is messing with it when, when it does yeah, that. It's okay, it. though. Well, uh, it's a very fat volume, one of my fattest in my Tennessee codes, but it, the, the, the relevant language that you can find in your law next time this happens is very short. It's the communicable disease statute, and in Tennessee, it's one... Uh, 201 words long, as you said. And in that, in that law, there are several duties. The main one, uh, there's six duties that I, as I deconstructed this very Ciceronianly long sentence, six duties. Uh, but the main one is that the governor has to establish the, uh, has to determine the cause and origin of the, the epidemic, right? We don't have pandemics in Tennessee. We have epidemics that go county by county. So he has a duty to uh, to determine, you know, the agent of contagion. That is to say, he has to determine effectively and isolate. Now, just as a footnote, COVID-19 has no isolate because it is a uh, it is genetically altered uh, of uh, genetically altered product. It is a, a kind of product, and there is no original virus of of what has been beleaguering the people of our of the world. Right? It doesn't exactly it actually exist. And so there's no, in Tennessee, no determination of the origin or cause of the thing that they're fighting with police powers. The whole danger across the country has been misuse of police powers with, and here's the key phrase, without a non-fraudulent exigency or warrant, okay? Um, and here I think it's important to consider just briefly how American law works. And this is from our biblical heritage. American law does not work on the mass of people as we've had in these emergencies across the country. In these emergencies, these governors have effectively abrogated the entire uh, constitutional structure of our, of our states, our democratic institutions, and said, I'm going to impose an order on the whole. Do we have, Tim, mass arrests? Do you have mass arrests in South Carolina or mass 
searches in South Carolina, Tim? No, no, but, but we do we do have a lot of unconstitutional things like uh, these all of a sudden these little checks where they want to uh, detain you and want want you to ID yourself in the middle of the night and they call it DUI for your good and stuff, which I think is a violation of the Fourth Amendment. We also had in place up until just about um, a week ago, I think it was, uh, that the Supreme Court justice had said, if you go into a courthouse, you have to wear a mask and you have to have a temperature check. I don't know where he got the authority to do that, but because it's not in the Constitution. But uh, the sheriff's guy who was in, imposing it wasn't even wearing one. So it's like, you hypocrite, what are you doing here? And then he says, he used the terms, you have to have one on if you're conducting courthouse business. And I said, well, I'm not here for profit, which is what business is. I said, but you are. You're getting paid here to go through my stuff, keep me from carrying my gun and all these other things. So you're in here for business, and you're not even following your own rules. So so anyway, I had to end up doing a Zoom meeting instead of going inside. Well, the, the point that I'm, I'm making is that generally our law is structured biblically, and that is to say, the judge in Romans 13 looks at individual men and women. The judge in Romans 13 has no authority for mass compulsory uh, searches, commands, trials. It doesn't work like that. In communist countries under Roman, Roman law or administrative laws in Europe, it's possible, but not, not in our country. In our country, police power has to be applied man by man, woman by woman, for cause. Now, that means to say a warrant. Uh, that means to say uh, a reason, a legal reason, not just a reason, but a legal reason, a, le- a reason framed in the law, and the overthrow of our states. And in Tennessee, uh, the, the the governor operated uh, en masse upon the whole, not not allowed. The statute itself shows how the law works. If there is, and it's in the tuberculosis statute in our state, if there is someone suspected of being a, a carrier and refuses to isolate, that person is subject to a lawsuit uh, or a criminal prosecution in the local lowest court in our in our state is called the Sessions Court, and a trial is to be had. The statute describes how the trial works. The accused can defend himself, arguing, "I'm not sick. I'm not a contagious. I don't have tuberculosis." And the same system has to operate for uh, COVID or any other disease, typhus, malaria, or some new disease that you know Fauci and Gates are going to invent. This process has to work per person. And the power cannot be applied upon the mass, but only individually with due process. Due process means a trial. David, can I ask you a so, question about that? What you're saying there? So, so for instance, the 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 government has just, or the state, if we will, has just assumed everybody is sick, with no evidence of that. And um, you're saying they're wrong, they're basically wrongfully accusing you, and the burden of proof is on them. And uh, it, and and they can't then require. Oh well, you need to submit to this test so we can prove that you have the. It's it's on them. You you're not you're not required to do anything to prove it for them. They have the the burden of proof. Is that is that basically what you're saying here? But that that is correct. And so now you, the question you're asking, Tim, goes to this this uh, this uh, this second matter of administrative record. But in in the again in the whole question of administrative record. You are denying a legal presumption. Most court cases, uh, in, in court action, probably 80% of what, what operates is presumption, where the parties agree that certain things are true by what's called legal, a legal fiction. So certain things are allowed to stand without being examined. If the thing is not a fact or the thing that's assumed is not a, a law or within the law, the 
party who's being oppressed has to rebut that presumption, and that's done by establishing that, that administrative record. So in the larger sense, okay, that's personal defense. In the larger sense that in which a lawsuit like mine takes place, the presumption is defied by saying, well, you can't operate against me personally. You cannot oppress me because you have not obeyed the law. What I'm doing in my lawsuit for mandamus, which is an order to compel obedience, again, Tim, is to say you uh, you have to obey the law. The law is like well, think about this. A law is like a complexity trap. In 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 this one statute, uh, 68.5104, there are six requirements. The governor and his officials have to go into that into that house, if you will, and they have to go to each room, each of the six rooms in the house, to obey the law. They have to do certain things. They have to give notice. There has to be a relation between the local health department and the state health department. Uh, there has to be, um, uh, if there's a suspected case, there has to be a, a report about that first case. Okay, so there's six things that have to be done, all touching on establishing the agent of contagion. What is it? Where is it? Who's got it? And uh, and if they if they don't going into that house again, the complexity trap of the statute. If they don't go to each room and do their duty in each of those little rooms in that house to get out the back door. Uh, they are effectively violating the law and also abusing you, not affording you, this individual citizen, your due process rights to be treated individually and particularly for a suspected or alleged or known harm, okay? They can only operate upon individuals, not upon the mass. And so the statute, as, I, as I'm saying, the statute has duties on them which contain on the obverse side these duties contain your due process rights. If they don't do their duty, they're abusing you, right? If they don't obey the law, they, guess what? Overthrow the entire Bill of Rights in your state, just as they've done in mine. So what I did is catch the first error of the enemy, okay? When this happens again, you have to remember this. Find the first mistake the enemy is making, and it's written down. It's in the law, and the law usually is one he's either half obeyed or disobeyed, and he's condemned by his own law. Find the law. So in, in the case of COVID-19, back in April, March, April of 2020, your duty was to look into your statute and say, you know, communicable disease law. What does this law require? If there's a sickness that breaks out in the county, what, what does the health department have to do? What does the state health commissioner have to do? That is, in every state, that is what was violated. And unlike the other cases that are very complicated uh, and have very, you know, have to have expert witnesses and so on about the harm that masks cause to children and so on, I don't have to have any of that. My case is I have a very light burden that I've given myself, and that is mandamus. Did the governor disobey the statute? And if he did disobey the statute, uh, how do I compel him to, to obey it? And because if you obey the statute, the whole emergency collapses because he hasn't found the, the agent of contagion. He hasn't identified it. He, in fact, I could not find in my initial inquiries to him a single sticky note showing compliance with the statute in Nashville. The, the whole law, the Attorney General Herbert Slavery III, ignored. They completely ignored the communicable disease statute with the arrival of a new Communicable disease, they simply ignored the entire body of law, not one shred of evidence that they had obeyed it. Because, you know, before I sued, I determined that they were an open violation. It's like 
It's called in flagrante delecto. I caught them in the middle of an adulterous orgasm, right in the middle of it. All of them, every one of them, disobeying the law. And uh, so they have no defense. And in court, they've had no defense against me. But we have wicked courts in, in um, Tennessee. And the local chancellor, her name is Pamela Flynn, or she's a Presbyterian at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, somewhat reformed. But she hasn't learned a lick about equity. She doesn't know anything about the uh, Gibson suits and chancellors, the great authority we have in Tennessee about how equity works. You know, equity is a biblical concept. And uh, I, I pushed this biblical concept through Gibson upon her, and she refused to obey the law and equity. I have been, as, as a representative of the people in the state, terribly abused. And in, in mandamus, you represent your state. I, in this case, I represent the state of Tennessee and her, and her 6.8 million people. And on the other side, defending a malefactor, a harm causer, uh, a, a breach, a man who breaches the peace is the attorney general. So the attorney general is defending a criminal. Uh, and I, I, in court, I've said that the local official and the governor are in violation of our felony criminal statute. And that is called official misconduct. They are in violation of that. I'm going after them civilly. Mandamus is really better than a criminal indictment, Tim. And, and here's why. Because it brings about the thing that makes things right, right? If, if, the, if the governor obeys the law, then the emergency is shown to be fraudulent. And, I'm, of course, I'm getting that in the record. My case is now on appeal. So I'll have an appellate-level decision uh, making my defense of the law, whereas the entire establishment in Tennessee has said we, including the Supreme Court, we can disobey the law. We can impose a Soviet scorched earth uh, remedy upon the entire people, and we can get away with it. But my requiring the court to, to, to rule on this uh, puts them in a terrible, terrible position because the, the judicial department has engaged also in this. It's a mass fraud. It's a mass fraud and a mass harm. And of course, we have the jabs project in my county. 200,000 people have participated, and I have uh, fought on that level as well by remonstrance, and uh, of course my lawsuit is notice of the law, and the county is admitting in court to violating the law. The local official says that she can ignore the statute, Tim, because, get this, she has discretion. But uh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, every official, especially in the health department, is bound by the health law. There is no discretion. There's discretion within the operation of a statute, but not to say, well, I'm just going to ignore the law. And that's their defense. We are ignoring the law. So they're admitting violating the statute. And what, what is really surprising here is that they're admitting that they don't have a cause for their emergency. If you disobey the statute and if you ignore the statute, say, well, the statute doesn't apply. We have discretion. We're not under any duty to obey it. Well, then what is the basis of your emergency, your alleged health emergency, which we have in Tennessee, in the emergency statute, which is in Title 58? Okay, so 58 emergency has to have a base or premise or a legal cause, a non-fraudulent basis in the health statute. And they don't have it. They effectively denied them their own cause for the emergency, which has, of course, overthrown all of our, all of our institutions, which are, you know, they're now recovering. Churches are recovering. Gyms are open again. Restaurants are open. Probably 15% of the people wear chin diapers still in dread. 
But, um, well, David, let, let's 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 mention something about that, you know, because what I was hearing from all the conservatives, you know, the, the alleged conservatives, the professed Christians, the constitutionalists and all. Oh, look at these Democrat governors and what they're doing. But what they don't realize, you, you have a you have a Republican governor there. We have one here in South Carolina. He's he's associate reform Presbyterian. And, um, you know, I, I like Governor McMaster for a lot of things. But the fact of the matter was, he went in Nazi-esque style, essential, non-essential business. I don't see that in the Constitution he has that authority. In fact, I don't see in, the, in our Constitution nor the, the federal Constitution this idea that one man can proclaim a national state of emergency. We know this is where tyrants throughout history have declared these emergencies so they can engage in tyranny. That's what they do. And it's look, it's let's make no bones about it. It's destroyed small businesses where they said, oh, you can come in. You can hang out for 15 minutes waiting on your food to be, but you got to take it out. You can't eat it in the dining room. Um, and that was going on for for, you know, two years. And you, you got to wear the face face diaper. And if you don't wear that, you got to wear a shield. And and and, it, and right at the center of it, like what you said, and we've had several doctors on our a nurse and nutritionist who comes on every Saturday. Uh, Kate Shimrani has said it. Uh, that one, the, the masks don't work, but two, everything was obviously to push people to the shot. That's, that's, that's the, that's the real, we call the pill in the jam there that that's what they were really going for. There's a lot of money to be made and they got their depopulation agenda moved along with that too. But it's, it's like they just ignored the liberty of the people and infringed on that. And it sounds to me like uh, a lot of this, and I'm learning equity and some of those things myself, uh, but it sounds to me like there is a, a use, kind of like what we would use in presupposition apologetics that you're using in the legal field. Am I understanding that correctly? Because you're, you're getting at their presumptions in order to identify where they're, show them where they violated a law. Am I missing something there? Or does that sound about right? Well, no, you're right. The, 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 the good people, as I call them, I always call them the good people because I don't want my listeners to hate them. I want my listeners to really feel contempt for most, most officials. They operate on presumption, and, and because we have lawyers leading us in our cases and defending us, lawyers don't ever bring these, these presumptions to, 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 to challenge them. They, they don't. And, and the cases that have been brought across the country are all cases with big billable hours. My case has a huge number of billable hours, which I will be, I keep track of my time and I plan to bill the state for at least half my time in this case. Very, very a lot of hours. If, if, I, were, had, if I were a lawyer, um, I'd probably, I, I could have earned from my case probably $250,000 in hours that, I, that I've given. But um, I don't have to worry about um, offending anybody and lawyers are all uh, lawyers haven't picked up our, this matter in Tennessee because the, the, the judicial branch participated in a joint venture with the governor in this fraud of, of the statute. So the day after the emergency was declared in Tennessee, the, the judicial branch also had an emergency that closed down the courts. Courts cannot be closed in our Constitution under any stretch of the imagination. They have to be open, which is to say they have to be open for people without having a special license to be able to walk into and attend a hearing. So the, 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 the lawyers have not done anything in Tennessee on this case, uh, but I have not being one, and I've done my own law, challenging presumption. So yes, presumption is what they use, uh, the courts use and lawyers use, and uh, I've not left any presumption uh, standing in my, uh, you know, in my counterattack against this. Uh, I have been worried about the problem of mootness 
since the emergency is now over, but uh, mootness has not been argued by the other side. So I believe I'll, be, I'll get a negative opinion, a very bad opinion I'm expecting, and I'll appeal that, uh, you know, I'll petition for rid of certiorari to get a hearing in the Supreme Court to have that overturned because my, my case is, uh, is extremely nasty to them because it highlights what they've done, both branches of government. And I think I can't, cannot get a fair hearing in the judicial branch since the judges are all in agreement with the overthrow by the chief justice at the time, Jeff Bivens, the overthrow of our constitutional uh, you know, republic here in Tennessee. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to appeal probably beyond Tennessee. Okay. All right. Now, you also had, um, you were ordered and arrested by the Chief Justice of Tennessee Supreme Court. You want to tell people a little bit about what went on with that? Well, yes. His name is Roger Page, and this occurred in November of 2021, where my, my bureau chief, uh, Christopher Sapp, and I uh, insisted on, on attending a judicial conference. Now, the judicial conference was for city court judges in Tennessee. It's required for all judges to attend these conferences. They're in the statute. They deal with policy. They also deal with legislation. And we have in Tennessee an open records law in addition to the Bill of Rights, which is that the, you know, the, the rights of the press. So we have two laws on our side. And when we went to this conference in a hotel in Cool Springs, which is part of Franklin, Tennessee, just south of, of Nashville, I, uh, we, we, we broke through security took our seats in the conference hall and were waiting to report on a lecture series. The day was given over to sovereign citizens. So the judges were hearing uh, slanders about people like me, uh, sovereign citizens who you know, take the law into their own hands and handle their own cases. This is, this is entirely wicked. And these, these people who are taking the law in their own hands, they're, they're to be distrusted. And here's, here's how you deal with them. Okay. That's what was being heard by these judges, by a secretive speaker whose name we still don't know. So I made I made the cops arrest me. I refused to leave. I said I will not leave. I have a right to be here, and um, and I I stood uh, on this position as they dragged me away in a gurney uh, and put me into an ambulance because we had notified the chief justice me 17 days before and Christopher Sapp uh, three days before of the legal position that we had and telling him to stand down. He did not stand down, even though he's he's legally wrong. And I have been, I'm the victim of a grave tort. Uh, a reporter, a radio reporter investigated, uh, investigating their doings. The conference was entirely halted until I was dragged out. Um, secretive meetings not permitted under the statute, the Open Records, the Open Meetings Act, and, uh, and my right to be there. So we have, uh, I was criminally charged with, uh, with trespass and, uh, about, um, uh, 40 days later, had a hearing in the local, uh, l the, the bottom court called Sessions Court, and the judge in a 70-minute hearing determined there was no probable cause for my arrest. So we had, we had a bit of lesser magistrate work done by the Sessions Court. Uh, he said, uh, Judge uh, Taylor said, Mr. Tulis, I'm not going to give you what you want, which is a criminal trial. Uh, he said, I'm, I, I, and I find there's no probable cause. So. He, he effectively disagreed with the chief justice who said there was who effectively said there was cause for my arrest. And uh, and so the case has now been dismissed and, and, and going to be expunged. And uh, we have contacted the leading constitutional attorney in Tennessee for redress and you know damages.
Well, David, with with that with that done, once they do that, is there a way you can go back and say, okay, since I was removed from this meeting, I'd like the minutes on this meeting. I'd like to know what was said. I mean, do you have any recourse to get that information? Well, this is going to come out at trial, and we we will get all this information in discovery. Open records requests filed after my arrest uh, came up essentially empty with vague vague defenses as to why we cannot give out this information. Uh, these people. Our, our, our court system in Tennessee is a kind of neo-feudal barony. These people own the law. The law in your state, probably as in mine, has been cartelized by the the judicial lawyer classes. They own the law. And here we got these these press guys from uh, Nuga Radio offending them by saying, well, we have a right to be there. We have a right to cover this. And uh, the system is closing in on itself, all in violation of law. Okay, are these, these, this this self-defensive measures against me uh, show that they really believe themselves above the law. And, and look at their participation in COVID-19. They, they know they're above the law. And so my lawsuit and this separate lawsuit that will reach into the administration of the courts uh, shows that these people are really superior to us. And that's why I call them the good people, because they know what they're doing and they're looking out for us, Tim. Okay. All right. Let me let me let me let me throw this out here because a lot of people uh, who listen, when you say the term equity, now again, I'm learning some of this stuff now. I've got a friend, another friend by the name of David, uh, who's been teaching me some things about equity. And the one thing I I I, I picked up on real quick was uh, the, the term means really to be to righteous righteousness, and this is what it goes. And it 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 doesn't it doesn't do away with the law, but it really sort of it follows the law in many ways, but it renders justice uh, in a way that sometimes the letter of the law doesn't do. And I'm kind of curious if you can uh, speak to this a little bit to help people understand. One of the examples, I think, in Scripture that might be a part of uh, revealing equity comes out of Luke chapter 20, uh, where they come to test Jesus and they say, Is it lawful for us to give tribute unto Caesar or no? But he perceived their craftiness and said unto them, Why tempt you me? And remember, these guys are lawyers. They're attorneys. There was, <laughs> sad to say, uh, Matthew 23, there were a lot of woes cast out for those kind of guys. He said, show me a penny. Whose image and superscription hath it? They answered and said, Caesar's. And he said unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which be God's. And they could not take hold of his words before the people, and they marveled at his answer and held their peace. And one of the interesting things, you know, we just covered this the other week at uh, at church, and uh, one of the interesting things is these are people who knew the law. You shall not make any graven images. And here they come with these coins with a graven image. Um, who, who are we to give this to? You know, Jesus could have said, well, you know the law. Don't, don't have any graven images. But he doesn't do that. He, he gets to their, their, their presupposition or their presumption about whose is what's and who owns what and all of this kind of stuff. Can you help people understand and maybe give an example or two about equity for those who are unfamiliar with what that what that actually is? Well, I, I'll try to make this brief because I do want to make comment on the other sure. point that I hope to share, and that is this whole matter of an administrative record. But equity uh, is a biblical concept, and equity uh, in, in Tennessee we have uh, we have chancery. Chancery is the court of equity, and in equity. The law is internal to the facts. What that means is if you have, let's say, two business people in a dispute, the law is internal to them. Equity is what does their contract say? 
Okay, the law is internal to the fact of the two disputants. And so the judge, in a solemnic way, uh, divides, uh, you know, divides the truth uh, to, to, to see which party is the offender and which is the offend, offended, and, and also down to the percentage of, you know, uh, contributory wrong or contributory blame. That's what equity does. And all, all the states have courts like that where there's not a, an external statute, let's say, that controls. Um, so, and, and, and I'm asking in my case for mandamus, but also equity. So in other words, if the judge says that mandamus isn't equitable and isn't, does not restore me as a representative of the state and the people, well, then something else might. So, you know, I'm leaving it to the local uh, equity judge, the chancellor, uh, Chancery, and Chancery has a, a church origin in 13th century England. It's a, uh, the, equity is the conscience of the king, and it replaces the stiff uh, formulaic uh, rules of uh, common law. Uh, common law had, has very many limits or had very many limits, and equity at the time in, uh, in English jurisprudence was the way around these uh, insufferable demands that the common law uh, imposed on, on the parties. So equity is very supple. It's like very fine leather. It, it bends around the, the facts of the case, and it, it enters into the case uh, to see, you might, you might say, see the heart of it, see where what, what God would say. So it's a very righteous jurisdiction. In, in Tennessee, uh, Judge Pam Flinor abusing that office uh, and not, not bringing about the good, but it, it, it allows for harm, harms to be accounted for and restored. Uh, so, you know, a restoration would be maybe compensation, maybe something done where the parties can be set set straight uh, in their in their injuries uh, or in their cause. So, uh, Tennessee does not allow suits against the Treasury, and my case was partly presented by the other side as a suit against the Treasury, not not allowed. But I kept saying, well, I'm not asking for uh, damages. This is not. Uh, this is not a case at law, under law. It is a case at equity and for mandamus. Uh, since I have just a minute left with you, Tim, can I just say something about this administrative record? Business? Yeah, you've got almost 10 minutes. You've got about nine minutes to go. Okay. Well, listen, I really appreciate you uh, tuning in and, and listening, but in your defense, in any future matter, whether it's a traffic dispute or something touching on zoning or... Uh, or, or a matter dealing with your business, or some claim made upon your receipts, perhaps, always go back to the law that controls. And in, in an encounter with with an official, uh, ask you know, try not to do things orally. Have things written down. Say, well, listen, in the future, don't call me, don't come, don't come to my business, but do it in writing. Send it to me, care of my attorney. And what you're doing there is establishing the record, okay? So you, you establish the record of a claim being made upon you, a demand being made upon you, or some, some limit imposed upon you, and you want it to be stated by the official. You want that official to commit in writing so that you have this record. And what you're doing, often people misread laws, they misread trusts, they misread agreements. It's amazing how even our own stuff, we don't read it. Uh, and so it's very important to take time and look at the controlling law. It, it might be a city ordinance. It might be a state law. Look at the ordinance in detail and see if you can find the cases that describe how that law works in, in particular fact basis. Okay, so that would be the annotations in your statute. 
But the point I'm making is about this record. Establishing the record that you are asking questions about the official's authority in good faith. In, in the case of COVID-19, the question that people are asking around here, since I, I have some, I do have at least one listener who follows my suggestions, asking the health department, do you have in your files any report or data or filing or allegations that I uh, or any member of my family, here's their, here's their names, are uh, known to be epidemiologically carriers of any contagion listed in, in, in or you know covered by the state? And asking the question uh, shows that you're in good faith, you know, wanting to know what the basis of a presumption is, and the answer back will be probably a negative. If there is an answer, uh, it's, well, no, we don't have any records on you. So now you have a, a effectively a declaration that you are not sick, okay, you're not contagious. And that's how we defeat government claims. That's also how we influence and press our way uh, into businesses. And um, a woman in the Chattanooga area, Jessica Hedgecock, was recently arrested for not uh, wearing a chin diaper at a imaging appointment she had at a clinic thinking she might have a neck condition. So she went in for a, a, an imaging, you might say, x-ray of her of her body, and she was arrested. She had been criminally charged with trespass, and her, her basis for being there is that I have a record that I'm not sick, and that record is in, in the paper she carried with her. And, uh, and, and though she was known to be not sick, uh, and had evidence, administrative evidence that she was not. She, you know, caused a breach there and uh, has a, a very wicked case against her. Very embarrassing for this clinic to have called the police upon her. So she, she has a criminal wrong being done to her, and she plans to defend it. But she also has grounds for litigation later because of inconsistency of of the businesses. Uh, it rules upon the people in the in the business. In other words, social distancing was not being uh, maintained, staff people were with their noses bare behind their desks and so on. So uh, you have, when you establish that record, you give yourself uh, leverage against claims made against you. So I think that's an important thing to remember, Tim. Thank you, sir. Well, when, you know, I'm thinking about some other things here, and we've got about uh, four minutes or so left, and I, I want to ask your kind of opinion on uh, if any of this would work in another situation, it sounds like it would. But you said we don't have mass this, that, and the other. Well, actually, we do. Every time somebody gets on a plane, it's a mass infringement of the Fourth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment uh, in some cases, and that goes on millions of times a day in this in this country. And can people then take like what you're doing here and bring up something to say, hey? Do you have anything on me that accuses me of terrorism? Do you have any kind of reason to suspect that, uh, you know, I have any of this? Of course, I think it, I don't even think that should be the issue. I think that the Fourth Amendment is clear. But I've talked with one of the TSA guys who is a veteran, and this guy says, well, I fought for our liberties. This isn't a hill to die on, blah, 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 blah. And they say this is administrative law, which you know what that is. That's just made up stuff. Um, and can, can people use it in stuff like this? Because I'd like to see that whole thing pushed back too, because I think that's a tremendous infringement of our, of our liberties. Well, I, I agreed that it is, but I, I would not want to take the trouble and time to do that. That would be a long, long project to try to get through TSA without being searched. Um, and 
you see, in that case, you are entering into their jurisdiction. You you are entering into a federal uh, FAA regulated area, which is controlled by administrative law. In the COVID-19 situation, they are coming at you. Okay, you see the difference. You're going into their jurisdiction, wanting something. You want on you want to be on a federally regulated mode of transportation, and so you're already entering their into their into their realm, if you will. Uh, but with COVID, the state is reaching out from its lair against you with its teeth bared and its claws open, and that's and that's that's much more pressing, I think, and much more important to fight in situations like that. I, I don't know that I would want to try to overturn uh, the TSA's good work in protecting us, Tim. Yeah, good work. That's what I'm saying, though. But the law exists there. It specifically limits them. I know they're federal. They've been federalized, but they weren't federalized before. And to me, it becomes this issue of an an encroaching communism because it's wanting to take over these aspects of businesses, ultimately to take over the business. And so I, I think it's a big deal, but I, I get what you're saying. It's a it's a bigger battle than say what you're doing there, uh, and but both of them are infringements upon the liberty, uh, disguising itself as some kind of emergency power or any kind of thing like this. So no, I just wanted to get your idea on how that would work. You well, got a final you're thinking? You're, Go ahead. You're thinking going on the offensive. So I I, I commend you for that. Yeah, if we can get rid of those those things, uh, that would be good. But I believe those are gonna, those are probably permanent in our in our situation. Yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. And, and there's a lot to do there. I get it. I get it. Well, David, look, we've got about a minute and a half. Is there a final word you want to give to people, maybe a word of encouragement or something like that? If they want to do this, how, how can if they need to find out more about you or maybe they have some questions, say, hey, I want to do this in my state. Can you give me some pointers to give me a direction or whatever? You want to throw any well, of that okay. in? Well, just briefly, again, the name is Tulis, David Tulis. I'm a reporter. Uh, I don't give legal advice. I'm not an attorney. don't have a law practice, but my, my name is T-U-L-I-S. So if people look up David Tulis, they'll find my website. I do a lot on traffic. My website is uh, tntrafficticket.us because I'm using my ideas regarding administrative notice and uh, to tr- try to defeat uh, traffic stops, which are largely illegal. They're ultra vires, meaning they're outside the scope. Traffic enforcement is part of uh, human management, social engineering, uh, long, long established, but it's illegal. And I think, I think uh, it's worth understanding to fight back and defeat it. So I've got, I'm working in that direction as well. Uh, under the guise or under the, uh, you might, the clickbait framing of uh, reparations for blacks. This is a a project trying to reduce harm to poor African Americans in my in my county. So the, my work is in that direction, and I'm on the air every day. It's, we're on Facebook, uh, the great comedy platform. It's NOOGA Radio, Nuga Radio, and the, the the report I give is called Local Economy and the Free Market. I'm a, a lococentrist, meaning I my premise is that we have to build locally outward. Yep. And uh, I never get to Washington hardly. <laughs> my my coverage is totally local because I think that's where we have to work. Okay. David, thank you for your time. Hang on, and I'll say goodbye to you off air. Guys, don't miss Bradley at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com, and we'll be back with you in the morning. Rotten to the Core Wednesday with the Common Core Diva, Lynn Taylor. See ya.